This Travis guy who started Uber, he's raised $8 billion, I think. Eight billion, $8,000 million. I know a lot of people in LA, they come to LA and they're like, I'm gonna have to move home. I'm like, why? They're like, I gotta make $500 more to pay my rent. I'm like, you can't make five, that's divided by 30. That's like $18. I said, go every day and stand on the corner. In LA, people give anybody money because they feel it's all karma town. Somebody will give you a $20 bill. Ty, what's up? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Let's get this interview going. So, big question. I've seen a lot of your videos, and there was a time in your life where you weren't doing so hot. What was the thought? What was the lesson? What was the moment where you decided to change your life? When was the moment where you had that breakthrough idea that showed, you know, took you from the couch to what you're doing now? Uh, my thought was, is this all life has? Yeah. And that's, I, I read Hugh Hefner's <laughs> book recently. Not that Hugh Hefner's the ideal role model, so some guys he is, <laughs> some people he's not, but he was, on a, he was on a bridge at 28 years old, and he just said, is this all life has for me? He didn't like his life. Two weeks later, he launched the first uh, issue of Playboy, and it was an instant hit, so I think that's a good one to have. Cool. Awesome, awesome. So here in my garage. Yes. How did that start? What was the inspiration behind it? What was the plan? What, what, did you just go in your garage and film the video, or what happened? So I gave you guys the bonus framework. Mm -hmm. Get paid to do what you were gonna do anyway. I was already walking out to the garage, literally. And I was like, mm, I'll turn on a camera. And you know what a funny story about that? So my friend was in town a few days before. I haven't told many people this story. And uh, this is last January. Friend was visiting, the same guy that was telling you that, he's on my Snapchat if you check out my Snapchat. Um, I won't do, I don't like to, give many call to actions out of thing because I don't want to take away from this one. But if can Check I Check out his Snapchat. Snapchat. I follow it too. It's Ty Lopez and the number one. If you don't have Snapchat, you are behind the curve and other people are seen around corners. Don't ever box yourself in and say, I'm too old for that. If your biggest problem is figuring out Snapchat, you'll never make any money because as Elon Musk said, you get paid in proportion to the difficulty of problem you solve. Can't figure out a free app that eight-year-olds figure out, you're done. Okay, so my friend was in town and he, he like I said, he has a company, he's doing over $200 million in revenue, he raised 80 million bucks for it, one of the smartest guys in Silicon Valley. And he said to me, I said, Alex, let's go, uh, let's go see this movie. And he was sitting, I will never forget, it was on my, uh, he was on my kitchen table. And he looked up and he goes, real fast, he kinda gets bothered, he goes, recreation's overrated. Like that, then he went right back. And I remember, anybody here an entrepreneur and you think you're hardworking, then another dude challenges you and you're like, oh shit. I was like, uh-oh, this guy just showed me up. So he was gone, the next day was a Sunday. And all my friends were like, hey man, we're gonna be in town, uh, you wanna go out? And I had said yes. Well, that recreation is overrated thing, and I remember texting him back and going, I can't go out. I didn't even give him a reason. And then I said to myself, I thought to myself, and I said, I wonder if I can come up with something that'll make some money. And now 600 million views later, it was a, it was a premonition, and I just grabbed my camera. It's the same camera, I have the same phone, I have two phones, same phone, and I just grabbed the phone and I walked uh, in the garage, and I just went, what do I say? 
I went, here in my garage. <laughs> Just got this new Lamborghini. Uh, well, there you go. It's perfect. I love it. So speaking about social media, Instagram and Snapchat, it's obviously how you use YouTube, but where do Instagram and Snapchat fall into it? And what would you tell someone who wants to get into that, really wants to get into that curve that's going on right now? So I think Instagram is slowly dying. Facebook, in a way, uh, I have mixed feelings on Facebook. Part of me wants to say it's already dead. Another part thinks it's very vibrant. Um, Snapchat is not dead. There's still a window, although it is closing quickly. YouTube is still there, but getting harder. Here's the thing. For social media, more important than which platform, it's what you post. And social media tells the truth. It's a little bit like time. And so if you're not innovative, if you're not committed to lifelong learning, if you're not reading, if you're not coming to conferences like this and staying on the cutting edge, it'll show real quick in your social media. It'll get boring. And then no amount of gimmicks and tricks and here's how you post and caption and it should be 400 words and Tuesday's the best day to post and you should post at 11 a.m. is better. All that bullshit, trust me. You post a good post, I post a good post at 2, 2 a.m. on a Saturday, theoretically the worst time. It outperforms everything if it's not a turd. You can't polish a turd and social media will not polish a turd. In fact, social media just takes a turd and sticks it in everybody's face. And uh, it doesn't take long for a lot of people stop following you. So social media is just an extension of what you're already doing. And it's a great one to use because it'll show you your blind spots. It'll show you your weaknesses. It'll show you where you're not innovating. It'll show you when you're boring. Try to write you know, seven Twitter posts a day. It's a great little exercise. Twitter is somewhat dying, but try to post seven interesting things a day on Twitter. Now I read a book a day and sometimes I'm like, this is hard. A guy who's a Twitter king taught me that. Some 18-year-old kid that has millions of followers. He's like, Ty, I follow you. I'll give you the best tip. Post seven times a day. And um, it, it, that starts showing you other weaknesses you have in other areas of your life. You can't post that much on business because it all starts looking cliche because you're not really innovating. You're not really like Warren Buffett reading 800 pages a day. And by the way, you don't have to read 800 pages a day. But if you don't read eight, I'm happy for you to compete with me. You know, who knows Charles Barkley? This is my favorite thing, Charles Barkley was a basketball player, and he talked about sometimes he'd play teams where the guy competing against him was horrible, and he said, dude, I used to send that guy a limousine to make sure he showed up at the game playing against me. <laughs> he said, I would send flowers, make sure that guy had a meal. He's like, I didn't want that guy injured. I love, and, and that's how I think about people who are just using social media, but they're not really staying at mad scientist life. Cool, cool. So, really simple question. What do you look for when hiring somebody? When I look, so I used to have three frameworks. I've changed them a little bit, so I'll give you guys the most cutting edge. And I used Warren Buffett's for a long time, which is, if you want to write it down, it's energy, uh, creative, or it's energy, intelligence, and integrity. So energy, are they lazy? You want a person who walks fast. They come into your office and they're slow, they have no energy. Larry King told me of all successful people he's interviewed, ever interviewed, from dictators, celebrities, sports athletes, the number one defining uh, characteristic was drive. You have drive, and that's in simple English, energy. No energy, you're done. So for all of you who suffer with energy, 
issues, write an amazing book on how you solve that problem. People will pay you how to get energetic. So I used to use energy, integrity is more like, I use it as integrity to systems. If you tell them every day, be here at 10, post this by 10.30, and they always do it at 10.45, they have no integrity to your system. And the third is in, in, intelligence. You need creative problem solving. Most people, you tell them, you know, go bring me a drink. They walk to the door, it's locked. They come back, no, I don't have the water. Why? The door was locked. Well, kick it down or go around another door is what I feel like saying. Now the way I hire is a little different. It's around learning ability. And because I've given up on finding good people. You and I, and I put myself right in there with everybody in this room. If you were educated by the system, and everything's pretty much the system, public school, private school, charter system, even your own parents who might be great people, my mom's a nice person, she was tricked by the system. Everybody now is pretty much system um, oriented. They, they're full of flaws in their thinking, not because they're not good people, but because of the system. And um, so I gave up. On, my old model was find badass people. Well, the problem with badass people is they're running $100 million companies. So I haven't figured out what paycheck I can send them. Uh, do you want to, Elon, do you want to come work for me? <laughs> you made $14 billion. Uh, I'll pay you $350 plus a 401k. Can't get them. So what I do now is go, how can I take people, take them out of the ghetto, take them out of wherever, and how to make them learn fast. And the way, what I look for now, you could write this down, the three ways to learn faster. You want to learn how to speed read, you want to learn how to do jiu-jitsu in half the time. Half the time, double the results. It's this. First thing I look for is awareness. People who are super spacey and don't have the ability to focus, forget about it. This ADD thing is robbing people of their lifeblood and everybody. Like Kobe Bryant is a focused dude. It's insane how he focuses. I mean, I sit next to him on the court. It's like six inches. I see the truth. This dude's real focused. Joel South, focused. Alex, my friend, when you sometimes Alex is zoned out, he's in the same room. You're like, Alex. And he's just like, and I ask him what he's doing. He goes, I'm solving a problem. He likes to drive from San Francisco. I say, why? He goes, then I have eight, uh, six hours to think on one problem. I always go with one problem, six hours to LA and six hours back. You can find people with raw talent who can focus. If they're super spacey, be careful, unless you really want to be somebody's mom and dad. The second thing I look for is adaptability. By the way, these are the first three of the 67 steps is where I got them. The second one's adaptability. Some people, even when you show them that you're right, they just don't change. Whoever had somebody like that in their life? You're like, oh, you see this? It didn't work. Let's not do it again. No, I'm just kind of that person. I had a guy in my training program, I called the business bodyguard, and uh, this dude, I, I, I have a top poker guy come train me once or twice a week. Because I play poker anyway, I turn the camera on, I'm like, do I learn how to play poker? I bring in the best poker trainers, get paid to do what I like. One of my trainees was there, and he had a pair of sevens. Anybody here play poker? He had a pair of sevens, and he folded before the flop. And the poker trainer said to him, uh, he was, I think it was right after the big blind. It was only three of us playing. And the poker dealer, who's also trained the top poker players in the world, said, you shouldn't have folded. You have a 51% chance of winning. 
And this is what the guy, I want to reach over to the table and smack him in the head. My HR person wouldn't like this. He goes, um, yeah, you're probably right, but I usually fold a pair of sevens. I said, it's math, moron. He just showed you. He doesn't have a vested interest in it. He's here to teach us. He's not tricking us. He's not playing against us. I never liked that guy. He was out. I ain't hiring nobody that gets the best poker trainer in the world. I'm going to argue with them over statistics. Statistics are statistics. The third thing I look for. So look for people that when you show them the obvious truth, they go, change on a dime. And I try to hold myself to this standard. I went to the Oscars this year. It was pretty cool. And I had my whole tuxedo on. And it was a crazy day because I had lunch with Tommy Tommy Hilfiger. And I had to cut it short. I was like, oh my God, I'm cutting this meeting short because I'm getting in the fashion world and you know, he's a pretty big dude, right? And so I said, I only got like 10 minutes. We were at the Peninsula Hotel. What's the number one thing I need to know about building my fashion brand? He goes, number one, make a good logo. Now for years, I've told all my staff, logos aren't important. This is a thing that I was stubborn on. And for the business uh, I have been in, it hasn't been important. But I instantly texted my office, Change of directions. Get me a badass logo. Because when a guy who built a billion dollar brand tells you something, just go, thank you. I'm not gonna sit there and be like this guy going, no, I, I, I'm thinking of Bill. I've sold two t-shirts. So I'm so find people that when you show them the truth, they had turn, turn on a dime. The third attribute, I know this is a long answer to your question, but it's an important it's question. The third thing that you look for is humility. And uh, I don't want anybody who gets butt hurt, basically. I like people who get excited when they get, I love, when Tommy Hilfiger told me that, I'm like, great, I'm gonna put this on all my social media. I'm gonna make a YouTube video. Guys, I'm stupid. I've been telling everybody, I wanna be humble enough that I get excited. And very few people, nobody is all three of these, by the way. So here's my advice to you. Get two out of three and whip the third out of them or into them. You won't get all three. I never had all three. But I have gotten two out of three. So when I find one out of three or zero out of three, I'm just like, you know what? You should go work for this dude. And I give him my competitor's phone number. I'm like, you'd be great over there. I had that once. One of my high level employees in a company, I was gonna fire him when he quit and went and worked for my competitor. And I was thinking, how can I send a limo to make sure he shows up to that job? Because he's going to decimate that company over there. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Secret espionage. All right, so last question. What do you look for in a mentor, and how do you find the right mentor? Okay, let me just grab water real fast here. Uh, what do you look for a mentor? You want to make a mil- Who here wants to become a millionaire? Find somebody. Spend a lot of time around somebody that if they made a million dollars in a year, they would hit massive depression. That's who you want to hang out with. If Mark Cuban made a million dollars this year, he may kill himself. <laughs> Seriously. They've done studies on people who have high income that drops. It's, it des- if you make 100 million a year and then you drop to 30 million, your happiness is lower than somebody who goes from 100 to 130,000. Like on any MRI, fMRI machines, you just fall apart. So when I play bat, the other day, this guy did a little retreat at my house. I love this. This guy came from Germany, this, and we were just playing basketball in my backyard, and he, uh, 
he pretty good at basketball, I could tell, a big guy, like 6'6". And he started shooting shots. Sometimes people don't know, I'm not the best shooter, but I can shoot. So he started shooting, he starts talking crap right away. And I told him, I looked to him, finally he was talking too much trash. I said, I just played Chris Paul. You think you're gonna scare me? And then I whipped his ass, the first of 20 shots. Hit 20, you know. So when I reset what's normal to me, everything becomes chump change. Just play basketball with Chris Paul, and then the rest of your life, every court you go to is downhill. Find somebody who's mean to you, makes you feel uncomfortable at every turn, intimidates you, scares you. When I was 19, I was with five mentors. I saw Gary Townsend, Joel Salatin, Alan Nation, a guy named Dr. Gordon Hazard, uh, and Mike Murphy it was a VC. And these guys were like 30, 40 years older than me. And I went to this hunting lodge in Mississippi. They were all Southerners. And one of them got drunk. And then the other got drunk, and it was like 11 at night. And they go, what do you want to do, Ty? And I'm this 19-year-old looking up to these guys, and they're drinking away. And I'm like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I got some good ideas. And they're like, oh, really? They're normally nice, but alcohol changes a man sometimes. <laughs> and they go, really? Well, what's your projected IRR? In your, these are like hedge fund kind of guys. I'm like, I don't know what IRR is. Probably half of this room, not sure what IRR is. Internal rate of return, which is different than ROI. Anybody know the difference? No. Yeah, it's hard to know the difference. Not that hard. You can know in a second. But I was like, I don't know what IRR or, or, or ROI is. I came out of the school system. I know the California State Bird. I remember that <laughs> gem of knowledge. I remember, you know, when the War of 1812 was. I remember that the Civil War was four years, all that. But I don't know how to make money. And I didn't say it like that. And I'll never forget, they all looked at me and laughed and they go, you'll always be poor, and just started laughing. And right then, I, you know, I don't cry much in life. Very rarely, that was about the closest I ever got to just breaking down. And but then I resolved to myself and I said, no one will ever laugh at me again when it comes to the subject of money. A few years later, I went out and I got a CFP and I, I ran a money management company. Never again do I meet people that intimidate me. So them destroying me and wrecking me is what it took to break my mind out of the pride that we all kind of have. And so when you look for mentors, Imagine there's a barometer or an air conditioning little box, and that box shows you what the normal temperature of the room is, 72 or whatever. You need to be around people that have that thing set at 98. And you walk in the room and you're sweating, but eventually it becomes normal. I like to do things that push me, you know, and what I think is normal. And when you do that, all of a sudden, everything becomes easier. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm building a team. And then I think, well, Bill Gates has 100,000 employees. It resets my barometer. Oh, that's not that hard. Who here is trying to raise capital for this business they have? This Travis guy who started Uber, he's raised $8 billion, I think. Is it eight billion? $8,000 million. I know a lot of people in LA, they come to LA and they're like, I'm gonna have to move home. I'm like, why? They're like, I gotta make $500 more to pay my rent. I'm like, you can't make, five, that's 
divided by 30, that's like $18. I said, go every day and stand on the corner. In LA, people give anybody money because they feel it's all karma town. Somebody will give you a $20 bill. You can't solve it. You know, Elon, the way that I made myself reset my barometer for a normal burn, uh, Elon Musk, one of his companies, was burning $100,000 a day. Now, that's real burn if you're using your own cash. Burning. So it might be spending 200, making 100, so you're burning. So if you're burning right now 1,000 bucks a day or this, it's a little problem. Use all these people as mentors. Now they're more barometer resets for me, and just use that. You want a six pack? Find somebody that if all they had was a six pack, they'd be really sad because they've got Every, you know, they got an eight pack and they got the stomach veins. Find that guy or that girl and just spend. I, the most ripped I ever got, and I'll tell you, it's a little magical. Is that our time right there? Oh, yeah. There's a little magical thing. I don't believe in magic that much, but I'll tell you, I just saw this movie Miracle from Heaven for, with, Kate, with Jennifer Garner, and uh, I a little bit believe in miracles. And there is a miracle mentor event. I had this. Guy shoot at my, these people did a shoot at my house, like GQ shot at one of my houses. And this guy had, a, um, I just walked down my stairs, they were shooting, and it was a male model, and it was when I was trying to get lean. And this dude had literally, I've never seen a six pack like this guy. And so I walked out, and he was with his girlfriend, and we just talked, and we became friends. And that whole summer, we hang out, we hung out, and his name was Janelle Castillo. He's a really famous male model, one of the highest paid male models with Ford now in New York. And we hung out for that summer. And it's weird, well I say it's a miracle, he showed me a few things. I said, how do you get a six pack? He said, jog and do these two YouTube videos. A one, Manny Pacquiao has a video of him doing, he said, do that one Manny Pacquiao thing and jog. So I did that kind of diligently, not enough. Then I hung out with him. Every time I went to the movies, I watched how he ate. He always ate a little better than everybody else. That summer, I had damn six pack. I got it recorded because I had to archive it. I didn't even train that much more. And I don't know if it's some psychosomatic thing or whatever, but it's tangible. You can see it if you go back far enough on my Instagram. Then he left for New York. Never been able to get it back. I'm always calling him, I'm like, bro, I need a six pack. <laughs> Fuck Ford in New York, move back to LA, and let's go to the movies once a week, I'm gonna get my six pack back. But I think you can do that with money. <laughs> we have eight minutes, because that's a weird way to end. I feel like I can't. <laughs> all right, so let's imagine you're a beginner, okay? Yes. And you, I look at your Snapchat, you're reading this, all sorts of books, it's all over the yep. place. What would you suggest a person focus on when they're just starting off? What type of books should they read? Books. What skills should they focus on? Um, I do have a little a, a page on my website, tylopez.com slash books. Mm -hmm. I list out about the top 100 books that I like, but I'll give you a few that I really like. Um, some old school, some new. May I put Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker as the first book because I feel like, as I was telling you, if you can't manage and motivate yourself, then nothing else really matters. All the how-to books in the world just stack up. Um, so I would say, one, get, it, get some books on time management. Another great one is Gary Keller has a book called The One Thing. It's funny, I've been pushing this book for Gary. I don't really get paid. I talked to him on the phone. He, owned, he started the largest re residential real estate company in the world, and he was like, Ty, I launched this book, and it sold pretty well. And then all of a sudden, years later, it became a bestseller. 
I'm like, that's when I started promoting your book for you, Gary. Take me out to dinner. Never took me out to dinner yet. But that's a great one, the one thing. I don't make any money on you buying it. It's a great book, and it's really about how to focus. So I'd say one focus book. You could also do Peter Drucker's. There's a book from Harvard on, on time management. The second kind of book that I would get is on social skills. At the end of the day, money changes hands from other people. So we no longer build our own cabin, cook our own, you know, hunt our own food. We exchange. And if you have poor social skills, you'll always perform what you could have done. There's a Navy SEAL guy. He says he predicts the average person operates at 120th of their potential, 120th of their stamina, cardio, their strength, mental stability, and all that. He was the top Navy SEAL in the whole Navy SEAL class or whatever. And so I think you need, and I think social skills is one of those ones. Some, you want to look for books, for example, that teach you how to deal with conflict. You will have conflict on your way to making money. Books on persuasion. So for example, so a good practical book is that old school book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Keith Ferrazzi is a friend of mine. He wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. Read some books like that on your social skills. And then the third book, okay, I, I'm actually going to give you four because I kind of call it the four pillars of good life. The third one would be a book on the language of money. You must, if you go to China and you speak no Chinese, you'll get taken advantage of and you won't have a good life. You either need a translator or you need to know a little Chinese yourself and you kind of need both. And some good books on the language of money, um, uh, a, a great one is... Uh, Charlie Munger's Poor Charlie's Almanac. It's a compilation of one of the best money managers' um, conversations and speeches. It's not a book he sat down and wrote. He's 90-some years old. Um, there's also another book. It's on my... What's that Peter Blevlin book, Nathan? Look on my tylopez.com slash books. It's, no, it's about... No, the one with Warren Buffett on it. I'll give you the name in a second. So a language of money. You need to know what things, you need to know the difference between a stock and a bond. You need to know what a convertible note is. You need to understand what the ventures are. You need to understand what Brent crude oil prices are. You need, now some people are like, Ty, why? Well, because at some point you're going to be in a room with sophisticated people. And even if you're not in the oil business, if you're like, Brent, I have a friend named Brent. They're going to look at you, and the brain is an algorithm, and it automatically demotes you in a status. And people only hang out with their status. But even if you don't know, you need to know, if you're in China, speak a little Chinese. So you don't, they don't go, that's an outsider. You don't want to be the outsider. The last book you need to read is a book on purpose or happiness. A great book on this that's a nice scientific book but, but very readable is The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt, New York. He's a, I think he's NYU professor. He spent his life studying what makes us fulfilled, what makes us happy. And uh, it gives a lot of practical insight. So you got your, and, and I would add to that, you can read a health book, although health, you, books out of health, it's like books out of basketball. You want to play basketball, play a little basketball. You want to get healthy, go to the gym. So these other four are the most important, I think. Awesome. Uh, last question so we can get in there. What's the key to networking? You're obviously very good at it. What would you say is the best thing to get uh, involved with people you want to be around to move yourself forward? A lot of people have trouble networking and they just basically keep the same group of friends their entire life. What would you say to someone who wants to go up in the food chain? 
So the first thing is, there's a saying on the streets. I grew up playing basketball in the project. Got a few street sayings in me. Real recognizes real. Another way, uh, if you live in the suburbs, you would say, like attracts like. I like real recognizes real. You walk in a room, there's three people you would like to be like them. You either have to be like them or they smell it on you that you're about to become like them. That's about it. So you wanna go play basketball with Kobe Bryant? You either be good at basketball or they look over and go, that's how I was when I was 12. This person's going somewhere. If you don't have those two, all the gimmicks fall apart. You ever seen the gimmick of, look somebody you wanna do socially, great to meet you. Bullshit. <laughs> I have a personality system I invented. I, Elon Musk, mark my words. One reason I've been able to network uh, wherever I go. Elon, don't look Elon Musk in the eyes. It's a bad networking tip. Why? He's an E in the personality system. I have a P-A-S-E system. He's emotional. You look somebody in the eye. Who here doesn't like somebody that comes up to you kind of cheesy and goes, great to meet you, da, da, Ty. I hate that. I'm like, I roll up next to Elon Musk and whatever he's looking at, I just look the same way and kind of talk about what's going. And we never look at each other until about 10 minutes later, you turn and look. So the gimmicks about social most of them are wrong by somebody that can't network at all. They might know how to write a book, but they're an introvert. I can tell you how somebody who's failed and succeeded in networking that the most important thing is real, recognizes real. When I say that, you know, I, I've been a flurry of people I've been around recently, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and Elon and Cuban and all, you know, all these cool people. And when I say to them, you know, I read a book a day, and what you said remind every one of them goes, Kobe Bryant is the last one I really talked. We're back in the locker room. He was like, Dylan, you read a book a day? And he starts telling me about the book he's reading. He's reading a J.K. Rowling's book. Uh, and he, I go, what do you like about the book, Kobe? And he talks and he talks and he talks. And then he starts telling me other stuff. Real recognizes real. He's a smart dude. So when you talk about books, you know what most people do is, uh, can I have an autograph? He's not an autograph seeker. So when you're an autograph seeker, you're different and real wants to be with real and like wants to be with like. Come in there, something impressive about you. I wrote a book, like I was talking to someone over here, I wrote a book, you, you could say you wrote a book. I used to be shy, Kobe. I wrote a book on boldness. I learned a few tips from you. Kobe will pay attention to you. Elon Musk will do the same thing. Real recognize real. And then the second thing is, you, gotta re you have to read people. People are very different. There's some people you wanna look straight in the eye. So it, I have this system, which I don't have time to talk about, but the, a P, P is for practical, A is for action, S is for social, E is for emotional. Elon Musk, I already know going in, that he's an E. I've watched YouTube videos, I can read him very, it's not that hard. An emotional person is fear-based. A new person walking up to them elicits cortisol. So what you have, your main focus is reading and adjusting and eliminating the fear. The best way is not bum-rushing them. Now on the flip side, Kobe Bryant is an A, action. And action people have pride. So the first thing I said to Kobe, and I practiced it, and that's gonna be the third thing you have to train. I walked up to Kobe and I was like, 
Anyway, you're a smart dude. I read a book a day and I got a question for you. First thing, when I read people, he needs a little recognition. Not that he really needs it from me, but it opens and lowers his guard. Elon Musk is an E. You don't need to do that. It'll come off as fake. But that person needs to be dealt with that way. And the problem with most books on people is they lump all people together. But we know all people ain't the same. You have, I have six brothers, completely different personality types. Two of them are similar, two of them are the opposite. And then, so then the last thing, so reading people and adapting. The best, so the best networker of all time was a guy by the name of, uh, um, what's the, Casanova. Cas anytime you're remembered for 300 years for your seductive powers over women, you're pretty, and he wasn't just seductive with women. He made kings his best friend. He talked his way out of prison twice. If you can go up to the prison guard, chit chat long enough, and they're like, I may lose my job, but let me open up the door. And he walked out. One time he escaped, but one time he talked out. And Casanova said, he, he laid it out. It's on his Wikipedia page. He didn't even write it. Somebody wrote it. He said, you must be the chameleon. You must read and adapt. The last thing, we're at zero minutes, is you got to train. And trust me, don't train on Elon Musk. You get one shot. Don't go in there. <laughs> I was, just last Sunday or two Sundays ago when I was doing the Kobe thing, I had my cameras out. He's busy dude. He's one of the busiest guys right now because he's retiring. I knew he, I was going to go back in the locker room with them, and I was like, practice what you're going to say. And it only takes like two minutes. I had both of my phones ready. I had them flipped around to me. I had the light right. I practiced. If you would have seen me before... Kobe, you would have thought I was insane. I had, there were some like security people around and I know they were thinking, what the hell is this guy? But I don't fear other people, I only fear sh living a shitty life. So I go, shitty life is getting a shitty interview with Kobe. So I don't care if everybody here thinks I'm crazy because the thing about smart people is they look and sound crazy too. Dumb people, I don't get Lamborghini driving advice from Toyota people. I wasn't trying to figure out how to be a security guard at the Staples Center. I was talking to Kobe, the king of the Staples Center. So I practiced that bad boy and he came out and it went seamless, except I didn't focus, the light wasn't that good, which I didn't train enough. So train until you're too good to ignore. And that's uh, what I'll end with. If you don't train, no training, no gaining. And it's a simple one. And I didn't have time to talk about that, but I spend, Fifty to hundred thousand dollars a month right now on trainers, physical trainers. Yesterday I had a hedge fund manager. He comes and trains me on stock market stuff. He ran a fund with Paulson, billion dollar fund. People think, Ty, are you smart? Nope. I train under smart people. I play bat. I train in basketball. Some people are like, you have a decent shot. I'm like, yep. I train with Pooh Richardson. He was a starting guard in the NBA for ten years against Michael Jordan. I learned a few tricks from him. You want to be learning your business stuff. You want to learn affiliate stuff. You want to learn internet stuff. Learn from the people, you know, all the people here in the conference. Learn from you. That's how you do it. And you train, and it should look like training. People who work for me, you train in anything if you work for me. You come work for me, it's like, all right, you're my assistant. Uh, you are training with a replica of me before you ever meet me. I went to the Oscars rehearsal with, I got to be back with Chris Rock. Man, they set it up identical to the Oscars. 
They have actors that look like the actors that are going to accept the awards. I was in the Oscar rehearsal going, am I in the real freaking Oscars? They announce the winners. People come down. There's an audience. The girl who's, you know, Christian Bale or whatever. I mean, the guy who's Christian Bale does the eye, Christian Bale, and tells jokes. It's insane. And I learned from there, train exactly as if it's real. You want to make a million bucks? Start training, logging into your bank account. How many bank accounts will I have when I have a million bucks? You probably will have more than one. Set them up now, train. Train when you have 100 bucks. You don't be like my buddy who sold his company for 18 million bucks when he's 28 and now has zip. He started training after. You do jujitsu because a guy attacks you on the street and you go, uh-oh, I never train. I did Shaolin Kung Fu with a guy from the Shaolin Temple for years. And he said, my master, an old Chinese guy told me, if you walk out on the street and you get beat up, don't ever get mad at the person who jumped you. You should have, start, you should have started Kung Fu at seven. You're 30, you get mugged, you forgot to do something right at seven. But like they say, the best time to start is 10 years ago. Second best time is today. So I hope you guys will start something big. I didn't, I didn't see the cue to run out on, on stage all excited. How you guys doing? Sweet. All right, I got something I crowdsourced what I should talk about. I read a book, hold on one second. I read a book on collaborative intelligence. The future of the world is collaborative. There's so many people that can connect. You don't have to use your brain anymore. So now, instead of deciding what I should talk about tonight, I just posted on my Snapchat about 20 minutes ago. Two subjects that I want to talk about, vote. So let me, I'll show you the results. Let's see what they are. Very interesting. Who here is on Snapchat? Anybody? All right, so my two options, you guys can vote if you want. I'll tell you what I threw out there. Number one how to get 100 million people to pay attention to you. Marketing, business. Number two, mad scientist life. How to find and create your destiny. Who votes for number one? Yell. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna compare, it'll be interesting to see if the votes here com compete with the votes on Snapchat. Who, vo who votes for how to get 100 million people to see your idea? Yell. Yeah. Okay. Number one, this is, I, I'm, I'm very interested. You guys will notice with me, I do a lot of experiments. I'm gonna talk about that in a second. Who votes I talk about the mad scientist life, uh, how to find and create your destiny? I think that one won. I think that one won. Okay, so we'll talk about that. That's good. Who here is doing any collaborative crowdsource stuff to get ideas? Anybody doing anything crazy like that? Okay. How many people here are entrepreneurs? Just because I haven't been here the whole conference. Raise your hand if you're an entrepreneur right now, not thinking of being one. Raise, okay, raise your hand if you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, but aren't yet. 
Okay, Melissa. How many people here, and this is not trying to be rude, just so I have a, how to tailor this. How many people here are doing a six-figure business? Six figures? How many people here are doing seven figures? Gross revenue, raise your hand. How many people are doing five figures, so under 100 grand? Raise your hand. Okay, so it looks like six-figure, we'll talk about that. Because there's different destinies at different times in your life. And so I'm gonna talk about the mad scientist life, how to find and create your destiny when you're at the six-figure level. And can I do all of them? Five, six, and seven? We'll see how, I, how much time I have. Uh, we're gonna get, we'll put a little whiteboard up here. I usually don't use slides, but sometimes a whiteboard is good. I'm gonna give you, we'll talk about three main things, three main ways, and then I'll leave some time for question and answers, and I know there's an interview with me up on stage after that. Uh, so if you're writing this down, I read that you're 51% more likely to do something if you take notes, but I will warn you, don't take too many notes. I've found, I go to conferences, I try to walk away with one main nugget, golden nugget, and to do that I need to write down three to five things per talk. If you write down too much, you will uh, lose the train of thought. But the first thing I wanna write down is right there in the title. The, when you die, or when I die, I hope one thing that's on my, my gravestone is he was a mad scientist. And why do I say that? It's because everything that we benefit from right now in the modern world came from somebody who was kind of a mad scientist. If you think about Tesla, anybody know the story of Tesla? Not the car, but the man, Nicholas Tesla. He was misunderstood, he was probably mistreated, he's probably taken advantage of, but he changed the world. Some of the people like Galileo, Copernicus, all of these great astronomers and scientists, some of them were told, if you keep talking, we're gonna kill you, right? And they had to recant and all that. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., these people had dogs, sicked on them. Uh, governors say that you can't eat in the same restaurant and they were ahead of their time. So I'll do this when I have a screenshot. Number one, each person here, you have to become your own form of mad scientist. And the sub point, if you want to put number A under that, um, you have to be ahead of your time. So write that down. Be ahead of your time. I don't care, a lot of people, how many people here are affiliates? I know we have a lot of affiliates. Maybe we don't. Um, how many people are online entrepreneurs, doing something on the internet? Okay, good, so I'm, that's great. Thanks to you for that info, because I'll tailor this mostly to online entrepreneurs doing six figures. A lot of the stuff that online entrepreneurs are doing is all the same. That doesn't qualify you as a mad scientist. You're not a mad scientist if right now you're inventing electricity, okay? You're way behind the game. You gotta be doing it right now. You're not a mad scientist entrepreneur if right now you're pioneering the internet. The internet got big in the late 1990s, 2000. What are you big in that nobody's seen? Mark Cuban was over at my house. Anybody see my Mark Cuban video? My house, he came over. I, I didn't record the whole thing because it becomes intrusive to him but I recorded it in 30, 40 minutes. But one of the things Mark Cuban told me, I think it made it into the video, is he said, 
By the way, I got these Yeezys on. I told this outfit all makes sense. The Yeezys are very comfortable. They're overpriced, but they're comfortable. The camouflage pants are so if I do a bad idea, I can just disappear right here on stage. <laughs> and Dolce, believe it or not, it's not about name brands. Dolce Gabbana makes the best damn clothes. It's like handmade. Just feels good. I lived at the Amish for two and a half years. One of the first things when I lived at the Amish, um, I stayed with this guy named Irvin Miller, and his wife came up to me and was like, let me see something. And she had all, they had like 10 kids. One of the daughters was like five and came up to me with a tape measure, and measured all stuff. And like two days later, he, she came with a big thing of custom clothes that they had handmade for me. I still have them. I don't wear, I, I guess I could wear them to this conference. I would definitely be ahead of my time. Or maybe, maybe just different. Uh, so yeah, that's the outfit. But <laughs> trying to be ahead of my time with the outfit. It becomes a, in the B thing. You think we can get a flipboard? If not, it's not a big deal. Kenna, Armand, do you think? That, oh, boom! You are the man. <clears throat> Thank you, Mark Cuban. I was ahead of my time. I was already on to the next point. I forgot that point. Well, Mark Cuban said to me, he said, Ty, I asked him, what's your superpower? Like, you made, you made a billion dollars, which is very hard to do, but he didn't settle there. He's now tripled his money. He's now worth $3 billion. You might think that's easy, but believe it or not, there's, not, there's a lot of billionaires that their net worth goes down. We will probably push this to the very back so the maximum amount of people can see you. See this? You can't see it. Maybe I'll point it a little bit. Uh, so, mad scientist life to find your destiny. And I talked about A and B. Let, let me, I'm just going to jump right into it so I don't even interrupt. He said, Ty, I've always been good at seeing around corners. Okay? Forget what letter I'm on, but ahead of your time. So if you can't see this board, don't worry. It helps organize my thoughts so I can give a better speech even if you can't see it. So uh, see around corners. There's guns now in the military that allow the soldier to walk up to this entrance. No, right outside there's an enemy combatant. Take the gun. And I, I forget how it works. I think they actually have bullets now that can go around the corners. But more importantly, they have scopes and all kinds of stuff. You see that. You ever seen those little, when there's a bomb now, they drop these little robots in and the robots go in. There was just a movie, there's a movie out right now called Eye in the Sky about little drones that have, they look like hummingbirds and they just fly in. The newest thing is drone, these little drones are going to be packed with enough explosive they're going to find an enemy combatant, a little bug's going to come up next to you, boom, just blow up and kill you, but no collateral damage. Kind of scary thought. Um, <laughs> hopefully you don't, autom <laughs> hopefully you're not confused for somebody else. But to see around corners, you're a six-figure entrepreneur. Can you see around the corner of what, maybe, it's, maybe affiliate marketing will stop working. Maybe affiliate marketing will get double or triple the size that it is now. Maybe affiliate marketing, uh, marketing will go from offline to op online. Uh, I mean, online to offline. Maybe the next big opportunities are mailing out postcards for big brands and doing offline marketing. 
If you can't see around the corner, you will always lose to the person who can see around the corner and your income will stagnate. It's very easy. Who here has plateaued in their income where you had a goal, you hit six figures, but it's not, you had planned to be at seven figures by now, but you haven't gone around the hump. Raise your hand if that is you. I think that's happened to everybody. You stagnate. Some of you are still at five figures, so you haven't even had time to stagnate. How do you see around corners? So C, this is all around mad scientists being ahead of your time. Uh, the C thing, just a little practical tip. To see around corners, I'll give you the best practical example that literally right now is happening. As we speak, I bet you it's happening right now. Warren Buffett is reading 800 pages right now. He's been reading 800, he says now he's old, he only can do about 500 pages. So he is reading 500 pages, maybe 800 on a good day. It's a Saturday, so he's probably reading a little less. And a lot of people, when I tell, the most common thing of people I've seen, I have a TEDx talk that's gone pretty popular. I think it's number 15 of all time right now. It's the fastest growing one in the world besides the beatbox one. And people meet me on the street and they're like, do you really read a book a day? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, that's crazy. Nobody, I don't believe you. Well, let me tell you something about mad scientists. But Albert Einstein said the thing about smart people is they sound crazy to dumb people. <laughs> so Now, here's the deal. I don't ever get cocky because I'm way behind the game. Warren Buffett's been doing five to 800 pages, which is roughly three to four books a day. Now, any of us in the room, myself included, who do you think is going to see around the corner more? A person who reads seven annual reports a day? A person who's reading newspapers from around the world? If you guys, anybody here watch my Snapchat? Raise your hand. I have, I, I get 15 newspapers. I get 18 a day. Three mainstream newspapers. USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and the London Financial Times, but I get 15 global newspapers. They, uh, I get, Kenna, where were the newspapers from last time we were looking? The newspapers, what countries did we have? We were looking through them yesterday. We had, yeah, she thought I was too picky because I was looking for headlines. We had Beirut, uh, uh, we had Israel. We had Russia, we had Cambodia newspaper, Indian newspaper, Jakarta's newspaper. People say, why are you doing that? Easy, I'm trying to see around corners. If everybody reads the Wall Street Journal, everybody's on the same page. Don't ever be on the same page as everybody else. That's not a mad scientist. A mad scientist is sitting there, Jules Verne, Leonardo da Vinci in the 1500s was drawing up the helicopter. Now, the technology didn't exist to support his helicopter idea. Elon Musk, I've gotten to spend, I've gotten to hang out with Elon Musk three times in the last six months um, at different events. At the, I was with him at the Golden Globes and recently at a movie premiere. Now he kind of knows me because always, we always talk about books. Uh, we're not close friends, but enough, I talk to him enough that I see how his brain works. All the car companies in the world, Ford, General Motors, Toyota, massive. I read Toyota's annual report. You're talking companies doing $220 billion of revenue. Nobody wanted to come out with a Tesla, except one mad scientist guy sold PayPal, took $100 million, took every penny he had. People thought he was crazy, but the thing about smart people is they sound crazy to dumb people. Now who laughs last? People doubted him in 2008, 2009. 
If you read the papers back then, they're like, this guy made a mistake. And yesterday he just did a product launch. Who here has ever done a product launch on the internet? Elon Musk did a product launch yesterday of a $35,000 Tesla instead of a 85,000. He made $7.5 billion yesterday of pre-sales before the car has been done. That's a launch. <laughs> That's an internet launch. People tell me about their, see, I made six figures in one day. I'm like, he made $7,000 million. <laughs> That's how you say 7.5 billion. You don't say 7.5, that just sounds like 7.5. That's low. He said, yeah, I made 7,500 million today. Why? Right there, seeing around corners. And then what I put here, you have to be an information gatherer, and that's what uh, Warren Buffett is. And you have to be able to take it, you have to be eclectic. You have to take it from what's called disparate sources. Disparate means seemingly unrelated sources, whether it's the Jakarta newspaper, Time magazine, a Victoria's Secret TV show. If you're wanting to be a mad scientist and be ahead of the game, you're taking golden nuggets from everything, from this conference right here, from my talk now, from who you're sitting next to. Charlie Munger, the billionaire business partner of Warren Buffett said, what made us money, they started, if you had given them $10,000, I think it was 1962, somewhere around 1962, you give them 10 Gs, you know how much money you'd have today? $50 million. If you had put $10,000 in gold at the same time, you'd have 500 grand right now. It doesn't take a genius to know better to have 50 million than 500 grand. And how did they do that? They gave, he gives the explanation. Every year there's an annual report, I, go, I mean annual conference. I go to it, not many people go to it. I go there because I'm gonna be ahead of my time. Very few people are there. No internet people are there. I'm there. It's a lot of old school fun trades and things like that. It's not expensive, anybody here could go to it and you hear things where Charlie Munger goes, what made us money in 1962 wouldn't have made us money in 1963. And what worked in 63 didn't work in 64. And what worked in 64, and so on, all the way to 2016. He said, we've only made 25 good decisions since 1960s. And we were there and able to do that and capitalize on the same investment, the same world that everybody lived in. But they were able to do it because they were gathering information. They were okay with being mad scientists. They were afraid to see, and weren't afraid to see around corners. I remember, and like, anybody remember, and like, 2000, 2001, I remember reading a newspaper where people, all these, never get your information from reporters. If there's any reporters here, I hope I don't offend you, but if you wanna know how to be a reporter, talk to a reporter. You wanna drive a Lamborghini, don't talk to Toyota driver, uh, owners. You talk to Lamborghini owners. How'd you get that Lamborghini? You want financial advice? Don't be getting it from the person who wrote the Wall Street Journal article. Get it from the person who owns the Wall Street Journal. And Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, they, they were saying about these guys, these guys are sitting on all this cash, billions of dollars with very little return on cash. They should be investing in all these companies like pet whatever online and online this and online that. And uh, that was right before the bubble. And that happened 2007, 2008. I remember reading Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, guys like that looking around corners. They said, this housing market's overpriced. But you know who laughs last? As 
Time tells the truth. There's only one thing that'll tell the truth in your life. Trust me, people will lie to you. Business partners will lie to you. A speaker at a conference will lie to you. Time doesn't lie. And as they said, when the tide comes in, you see who's swimming naked. And when those busts came in, Warren Buffett was sitting on all the cash. He saw what was coming around the corner. And he said, oh, now you guys need money. Bank of America, I'll, buy ten, I'll give you enough money to keep you afloat. Give me 10% of your company. Plus, since no one else can give you cash, because I'm the only joker in the world sitting on tons of cash, I want control of the board, I want control of the compensation package, now you work for me. And he did that over and over in all these companies. And now, you know, he has a $300 billion company. See around corners. $700 billion company, Apple. See around corners. Steve Jobs did. You must become an innovator. You should write on your own gravestone before you die. Feel free to pre-write it. People get grave, you know, buy cemetery plots before they need it. I'm like, you don't need the cemetery plot. Shit, when I die, you can put me anywhere. I don't care, I'm dead. If I care about anything, it's how I'm remembered, not where I'm put. So I'm like, what they should be selling is tombstones written out what you want to say. There's actually a book on this. They call it eulogy goals. What do you want said at your eulogy? So I'll give you a little bonus point, ABC, a little bonus point, practical one. Write out your eulogy this weekend. Why? Because then you just re-engineer re how to get it. If on your eulogy you wanted to say he was a great mother or a great father to 10 kids, well, now you know you better get to work making babies. <laughs> if you wanted to say by age 40 he was retired and you're 30, to figure out how much money you need to retire at 40 and divide it by 10 and then go, Oh shit, I need $10 million? I better hit a million bucks a year. Divide that by 12. I better make 80,000 a month. Divide that by 30. I better make 25 to $3,000 every day. Now you can shrink the problem. So that's a nice segue, try to segue here, into number two. To be a mad scientist, we often think we can't be a mad scientist because, and I was actually talking to Kenna about this. Kenna's here. If you're with my little group, can you stand up and say hello for one second? Herman, Dion, wait, stay up for a second. We got Rome in the back, Rome over there. I call this, by the way, my business bodyguard. Kenna, you didn't stand up. Everybody, Kenna's got a big part in a movie. Stand up, so she, come on, you can't be shy and be an actress. Everybody focus on her. Um, so number two here, you have to shrink the problem. Write that down. To be a mad scientist, see ahead of the curve, be like the Elon Musk or Galileo or anybody. Shrink the problem. The reason most of us are overwhelmed by the thought of making a million bucks or $100,000 or quitting the job that we don't like redoing our destiny is we make the problem always bigger. I've found almost every problem shrinks down to some minute uh, splinter that's in your foot. 
you can't figure out, you go to the doctor, you're like, my whole leg's, you know, horrible. Amputate the whole thing. And a good doctor just goes, hold on, let me feel it, let me touch here, let me go around. Wait, dude, you got a splinter in your toe. There's a singer, there was a singer not that long ago who he went to the doctor, the doctor's like, your big toe is messed up. Let me fix it. The guy said, nah, it's just my big toe, I'm good, I'm good. And he went off and then he came back. Who here is stubborn? Raise your hand if you're naturally stubborn. This dude was stubborn. He said, I know more than doctor. And he went off and the guy came back, you know, six months later. And the doctor's like, listen, now it's got worse. I got to amputate your toe. You got a disease there. It's spreading. No, I didn't. This is a true story. Left. Finally, that dude came on, was on his deathbed from that problem. And uh, he invited his kids. He had a lot of kids. And one of his sons, who's kind of well-known, stood next to his death, to his hospital bed. And the last words of his, out of his mouth was, money can't buy life. And then he died. And that was Bob Marley talking to his son, Ziggy Marley. He didn't shrink the problem. He had everything going for him, great singer. He just had to fix his toe. Shit, if I'm gonna die, cut my toe off. It wasn't even, I don't even know if it was his big toe. You could do fine. Who here for $100 million would remove one finger? 100 million bucks wired to you right now. Shit, you'd be fine with that one finger. <laughs> this guy wouldn't, because all of us fall prey to this. We, we make the problem bigger. And so this, for those of you who can't see the board, it just says shrink the problem. A, let's take a problem. Let's just do a random round robin. I'm going to do a little random thing here. I'm going to throw this cap out without looking so it's all random. Whoever catches it has to throw out, has to say a problem in their business. We'll stick to business here. That was not the greatest throw. Okay. I've never met you before, right? This is not set up. Okay. What's the biggest problem in your business holding back your income? But let's try as specific as you can. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, let's try to get like a marketing or you can't business partner. You don't have the capital to grow or don't know what to do. How many employees do you have? Okay. What kind of business is it? Okay. Search engine op for those you can't hear. Search engine optimization business. Local clients been making money in the last quarter. Now has to figure out how to reallocate that money to continue to grow the business. Tried one employee. Right. So you're not just a, how do you turn it into a real business? Who here feels like they have a business, but they don't have a real? I always say, if you have under 10 employees, you don't have a real business. You ever had somebody come up to you with a business card and it says CEO? And I'm like, uh, do you have one employee? And they're like, yeah, they're sheepish. I'm like, then this, you can't, there's no CEO of one. Your card could say janitor because you're the CEO and the janitor of your own business. You're cleaning up your own desk. So that's a good one. So we have a problem here. Um, you're in a precarious situation if your business relies on one person. The odds are, I, I became a CFP, which is a certified financial planner, and one thing I remember from the, the training was, by age 40, you have a, almost a 40% chance of being disabled 
for three to six months. It could be physical, it could be a big catastrophe come up in your life. Most people don't have the crash flow to just have something go disastrous for six months. So you're not in real business if you can't disappear for six months because it's probably gonna happen to one third of this room. This whole group, by the time you're 40, just plan on it. Three to six months, you're gonna be knocked out. And Bill Gates solved the problem. He had 100,000 employees. People always talk about automated income. I'm like, oh, there's only one kind of automated income. It's not the internet, it's not real estate, it's people. Getty, the billionaire, the oil man, he said, I'd rather have 1% of 100 people's labor than 100% of my own. That's why he's a billionaire, and none of us are, I'm assuming. If you're a billionaire, I'll get off the stage, you can come talk. So when we take this problem, this isn't really A, but it's brainstorming, I wanna shrink that problem down. How do you grow the business and find the next step? Who, raise your hand if you're looking for the next step in your business. You know you're on the border. Okay, it's a lot of people, 30, 40% of this room. Let's shrink it down. There was a Russian mathematician in the Stalin age, uh, era who was actually killed by Stalin. Stalin killed a lot of smart people. He was afraid of people. And this guy was a mathematician. I read this recently in a book. He said all problems have, there's only 140 different kind of problems in the world. That's it. He said every problem can be categorized in 140 ways. And then he said there's like 1,800 solutions to any problem, like generalized diagram that you can flow chart off of. The sad thing is the fucking guy got killed before he wrote it all down. Because when I read that, I'm like, what's the 140, please? So now it's up for us to do that in our own life. The point of that is, I don't know if there's 140, but um, there's a finite amount of options for you to grow your business. Let's just take some. Here's a great one if you want to write down, and whenever you're stuck in business, four Ps. Write down the four Ps. This is old school business. I don't have a college degree, but I read a lot of college textbooks. People are always like, what's your stand on college? I'm like, easy. Easy, who do you think's gonna win? Somebody who goes to college from 18 to 22 and then never picks up a book again? Or a person who takes one college class for the rest of their life? Who do you think's gonna be better? Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man who practices a thousand kicks. I fear the man who practices one kick a day for a thousand days. I don't fear anybody with the college degree. Come on. I had 4,500 people apply for a job in one day. I post on my Snapchat, who wants to work for me? I don't fear any of those people unless I find out they're like Warren Buffett. What made me money Monday ain't gonna work Tuesday. So Tuesday I go to work innovating and seeing around the next corner. That person I fear. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You see people coming in a gym, they do jujitsu for a year. You don't have to worry about them. I trained under a guy named Henner Gracie, grandson of the founder of jujitsu. I said, when did you start? He said, eight months. At eight months, my dad had me rolling around in a gi. He's training his daughter six months. She's already rolling around. Trust me, man or woman, you don't want to meet a woman who's been doing jujitsu since she was six months old. <laughs> I remember I'd started doing martial arts when I was 12. I went into judo in the San Diego Community Center. My mom didn't, I had a temper growing up, so she didn't want me to know martial arts because she thought I would pick a lot of fights. It's probably true. And I was 12 and I went into the class and the teacher said, you gotta go with my daughter to train, you're new. 
and I can remember she was a brown belt in, or purple, what, I forget what the judo belts are. She had a belt on. And I remember being like, because I was pretty athletic as a kid. And I'll never forget, we did a little sparring thing, and i never forget my feet going over my head. <laughs> I can still remember it now. She just grabbed me and went, what? Bah! And, my, and then she got, judo has some strong pins. I could not get up. And I remember thinking, ooh, fear the woman who had been doing jujitsu since she was a little kid. And for each of you that are entrepreneurs, um, we can learn from college. Some people go to it, some people don't. But take all the best and leave the rest. One of the best things that I learned from a college textbook was the four Ps. Also, Vrin score which is fairly amazing. I found it in a college course called Vrin. I'll try to talk to you if you remind me a little bit later. I go speak at all the top colleges. They bring me there, they forget, they don't know that I don't have a college degree. So they're like, ah, Ty's coming to speak. These jokers don't know what Vrin is. Vrin died out in the 50s and 60s. It's a great tool. But before I get into Vrin, I'll talk about the four Ps. This is how you shrink your problem from a huge problem to just four problems each of you have in business. So if you want to write them down, the first P is product. The second P is pricing. The third P is promotions. And the fourth P is placement. Flip a coin, start on one of them. There's no one that's better than others, although generally you want to go in that order. You want to create a product. So when you are at the stage you're at, you have a current product, it's SEO, local marketing. But go deep within your products. There's a saying in business, you can't polish a turd. A lot of people are like, Ty, I'll hire you as a consultant. I'm not really a consultant. I'm like, you're not gonna be able to afford me if you wanna hire me as a consultant. I'll just give you this free advice. Your idea is a turd and no amount of shining and shoe shining gonna t make it anything but a turd. And some things are just hard to sell. And some things are easy. You know what's easy to sell? You know what makes a lot of money? What city are we in right now? Easy to sell or hard to sell? Glamour, make money fast. Bet here, woo, million dollars. Hot girls, shows, adventure. You think this town has much problem marketing? Where do people come from every damn place in the world? Vegas. Everybody comes to Vegas now. And my grandpa, my step-grandpa, told me he drove through Vegas, and he was born in 1915. He just recently died. But he told me, he said, I went to Vegas in like 38, he told me. 1938 or th whatever. I was like, what is it like? He's like, there was like 12 people. He's like, there's like 100 people here. He, was a, he worked at a mining company. He was an engineer. Boy, don't you wish somebody in your family had looked around the corner and said, there's money to be made in this desert strip. Mad scientists would have seen it. It took the mafia to find this. <laughs> You'd be surprised where you find mad scientists. Sometimes there are people doing illegal stuff. The first P, product. Shrink the problem. Maybe it's just a product issue. And no amount of pricing structure, no amount of promotions, no amount of uh, re, you know, changing the fourth P. So it's product, pricing, promotions, and the fourth one is placement. After they pay you money, how do you place and deliver your product in their hand, okay? Now, uh, what time do I have? What time did I start? 
Okay, so I only got 25 minutes because each of these is an 80 hour talk how to do, but I'll just try to give you one point on each of this specific to shrinking your problem. Number one, just ask yourself, would you really buy this if you didn't love yourself? Write down that exact question. Would you really buy this if you didn't love yourself? Because most entrepreneurs love themselves and they love their product, so they can't fathom that no one else will. The guy who started FUBU, uh, Damon John, he had a great little test, <clears throat> and he said when he had a t-shirt brand, he went out and he went to the baseball stadium in New York and when the game get at, got, uh, you know, let out, he went and sold his shirts, cold market, walk up to people. That tells the truth, because it's not selling, most people sell to their friends and friends of friends and warm traffic. When you convert cold traffic, that's a product. So if you can't imagine, I got a few little tests. Like I said, I wish I had more time, but though I call it the one million person test. Doesn't mean you have to have a one million customers. Don't launch businesses that you couldn't see a million people buying from you globally. I'm not saying you have to have a million customers to start or even ever hit it. But if your best product is a course on underwater basket weaving, the total world, known world, interested in underwater basket weaving is 400 people. And you never get more than, t even McDonald's only has about 10% market share in the fast food business. McDonald's, you can't get dominant shares in markets very easily anymore, unless you're Google, Uber, things like that, that have a mass network of, uh, effect. Those are harder to do. Most people here are gonna do businesses that you're, you're um, not gonna be able to get 50% market share. You're gonna be able to get 1%. So if the total marketplace is a million bucks and you get 1%, you're making 10,000 bucks a year.